Hello. Hi. Welcome back to E for Effort. Again. It is us again. You're welcome. We I know that you were worried that 2019 wouldn't have, you know, your daily dose of content. us. <laughs> right. Your daily dose but of Kristen and Alex talking about whatever they want to talk about. I this is E for Effort. Did we say that? Yeah. Okay, well it is. Um so <laughs> So, okay, two things. One, a surprising number of my friends have asked me, like, hey, are y'all not doing the podcast anymore? Like, I was genuinely surprised at how many people were like, um, where's the podcast? Yeah, I was surprised, too, and also kind of flattered. I know, but also I was like, we're busy. We are sorry. We took we took a month off. We're on, se- we we're on new season. I don't know. Let's see. We're on season two. Or whatever. We're on the 2019 season. Yeah, we took whatever a month, this is. We took we took a, a month off for the holidays because we both were very very busy and honestly, yeah, it was just really hard to find a day that we both could do it. It would be like, okay, I'm free this day. Okay, well now I'm not. And it's like, okay, well I'm free this day. It's like, well now I'm not. So we were going back and forth, canceling on each other, and then it just got really long. We were like, okay, let's just go ahead and take a month off. It's new year, new us. Here we are. Here we are. Same old basic bitch Same old bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> so get pumped. Yeah, it's going to be so good. And also, whenever – so, like, I was at a New Year's party, and some, and one of my friends at the party was like, hey, what's happening to the podcast? Like, why aren't y'all releasing episodes? And someone was like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah, like, me and my friend Alex started this podcast. And they are like, oh, what's it about? And I'm like, you know, uh <laughs> – not a hundred percent sure. It kind of depends on whatever we want to talk about. Honestly, honestly, that's my favorite question. Yeah, because people it, ask me that, and I instantly regret bringing up my podcast. Yeah, because it's well, because we are moguls, and we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves to we one. We have a lot of varied interests. We, you know what, we really do, and I appreciate it because we're Me teaching too. you. We're teaching you about a variety of topics. Right. And that way we can do this podcast like legitimately until the day we die. And you're welcome. That's exactly right. Don't sue us, Karen and Georgia. I mean, good luck trying. They can take the $30 in my bank account if they really want it. <laughs> I'll just so donate it to their Patreon. <laughs> right. I know. Right? I was like, I wish like, I don't know. It'd be cool if one of our fans, shout out fans, uh, hey mom, uh, to go <laughs> ahead and submit us to the exactly right podcast. I don't know how you do that. Um, I don't know. But honestly, we're like a less good version of not even their podcast because they talk about like specific things. So I don't think we, I don't know where we'd fit in on their lineup. Because have you seen the, some of the shows are pretty legit. I mean. Yeah. I yeah, wish yeah, they yeah. would. I wish they would create some more original content though instead of just buying other shows. But. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard right now. So we, we, as we know, it's hard to find original podcast content. There's kind of a podcast for everything now. So there really is. Yeah. My goodness. I started listening to a lot of them over break. Um, I say break like I, I, I was <laughs> off, though. I had a little break. It was you great. Did. You did. Um, Mental health break. Yeah. Good. Needed it. Absolutely. I started um, listening to some new ones, too. What did you start listening to? Uh, so I knew that you were going to ask me that. And I didn't. Ha- I should have had it pulled up so that I knew because um Oh, I started listening – well, I've been listening to the political one by the people that do last podcast called Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Poutine, 
Karen referenced it or Georgia referenced it in one of her live shows, started listening to it. It's actually pretty good. Like it's, they're very Canadian. The hosts are very Canadian. And we actually have a couple people Love in it. Canada that listen to us. I'm pretty Shout sure. Canada. Pretty sure it's my dad uh, when he goes up there to work, <laughs> but I can't confirm it. Um, <laughs> Shout out Hot Tom. Hot Tom. Just kidding. No. <laughs> I listened to a podcast about my topic today. It was like a series of podcasts. Um mm-hmm. That I won't tell you yet because I want to skew a surprise. And um, I I started listening to um, that Colts podcast that they referenced, mm. Karen referenced too. Um, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good. What new ones are you listening to? Um, I started Pain Lindsay's Monster because uh, the Zodiac Killer is the scariest thing in the world to me. See? I know. Um, no, I, everything about the Zodiac Killer scares me. The mask that he wore terrified me yeah the way that he actually targeted his victims terrified me Mm -hmm. the fact that he's still out there terrifies me. probably dead it's been a long time or at least in a nursing home if the if the golden state killer was still alive and kicking it though i don't know true well i don't know that's the like legitimately alex and i have so many similar interests that is the only place we differ in true crime because i honestly the zodiac killer does nothing for me See, I am obsessed with the Zodiac Killer. It, I think it's because it scares me so much, so I'm just, like, fascinated by it. Yeah. But the David Fincher movie, it still scares me to this well, day. Well, that's a really that – that's and, a good movie, though. I don't even care about Zodiac that much, and that's a really – it's a good It's a good movie. Stands wait, up. speaking of the Zodiac, though, it's um, Jake Gyllenhaal that's in the David Fincher movie, mm-hmm. and I just also watched T-Swift's uh, Reputation oh, Tour on Netflix. Can we talk about how hard – the song All Too Well makes me cry, and it's written about Jake Gyllenhaal, allegedly. That's it 100% allegedly. is. My God. I honestly don't know that masterpiece. song. I don't know it, so I... I'm not a huge Taylor Swift just... fan. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I like some of her stuff, but not all of it. I'm, I'm not, like, a listen well, to her whole album kind of fan. And that makes sense, because I feel like that one is, like, the most relatable song to a girl that's ever been in a relationship that's ended, so... um. It was like the story of my life when I was, I don't know, 25 years old. I've had relationships but, uh, that ended. Okay. I yeah, can relate. Um, Just not in the last decade. being 16. <laughs> right. Right, right. Taylor Swift obviously didn't marry her childhood sweetheart. So, Listen. you know, she's had some stumbles along the way. Listen. Like me. Well, I, my best friend Olivia lives with Taylor Swift. And she also is, or I think she's already watched that four times. Not exaggerating. Um, I have no doubt. It made me really sad that I didn't see it live. Well, you'll get a chance. We're going to see someone live. Oh, guys. Oh, my God. Guys, 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 guys. Kristen is flying back to Chicago for the Panic at the Disco concert. I can't wait. I'm I am so I'm dying. Stoked. So stoked. It's going to be so good. I've wanted to see Panic at the Disco since I was 16 years old, oh, which will be the average age of the fans attending this show. I don't, I don't, I don't care. care. I have zero care in me. I We're going to sit there with our a beer and our adult beverage. Yep. We're going to jam like we are in yep. high school with really heavy black eyeliner, living yep. our best chunky belt life. We are going to do all of those things, and I, I cannot wait. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to wear an Empire Waist pleasant, peasant blouse if it kills me. I love it. It's going to be so fun. Y'all, we're so stoked. Brendan Urie, 
We are coming for you. Brennan and Yuri, you better get you better get so ready because we're ready. You better play your heart out in Chicago or I'm going to be pissed. And honestly, I won't even. I'm going to cry. It's going to it's <gasps> going to happen. I'm you're going to have to it's- hold me <laughs> while I openly while I weep. Gently. It is it's so funny that you said that because I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to cry during this concert." 100%. Like, there is there's no doubt that what I'm if, not going to shed tears. What if Lil Dicky comes out and they do Molly? I will die. Honestly, that, that song, it. it can be like 7 a.m. on my drive into work and that song comes on and I start sobbing. Because it's a beautiful masterpiece of a song. And the fact that he chose Brandon Urie to sing the hook is, is just like so genius. accurate. Have you heard that new song Brandon Urie's on? Mm-mm. Oh my God. I have to look it up. Everyone, the three people that are listening are yelling it at me right now. But it's so, I didn't like it at first, um, but then Brandon Urie's part comes on and I'm like, yes. yes. I watched him perform the DuckTales theme song on Jimmy Fallon. It was like a throwback uh, Jimmy Fallon clip and it was the best thing I've ever seen. I think so it's, it's called just Ro- Roses. It's anything. It's called Roses. Ooh. By who? Like who's the? Oh, I don't care. Just got Brandon Urie in <laughs> Oh, okay. Deal, it's deal, on. Deal. It's on Spotify. Top, whatever. I, that's how I. That's how I listen to things. Benny Blanco. See, I don't know any of these people. Yeah, I'm and too old. Juice World, but without the O. I don't no, know. Don't know that. Children, if you're listening, tell us who these people are, please. I'm excited. I'm so stoked. It's gonna be so lit. It's gonna be so good. We're I gonna jam out hard. Um, you need to help me pick out my outfit because I don't have one yet. But I'm going to get one and it's going to be so good. So you need to show me what you're wearing so I can coordinate but not look like we tried. Okay, I'm going to send you pictures. Also, I'm talking myself out of wearing the thigh-high boots that I wanted to because Why would you not? Why would you not? Because I also just want to, like, dance my face off. So we'll see. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to pop a pain pill before you put them on. And then we're going to get super lit. We're just going to get so hammered. And then you won't even wait. feel your legs. Perfect. Okay, All good. right. Game plan. Good. I'm in. Yes. Love it. Bam. 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 Um, I'm loving this. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you before we dive into our topics. Yes. Bird box. Yes. I knew this was coming because Alex already prepped me. They were going to talk about this. I have a lot of feelings about it. Okay. You started off then. I did not care for it. I agree wholeheartedly. But I can't fully, I can identify two reasons I don't care for it. And honestly, I feel very similar about Bird Box the way I felt about Quiet Place. But Quiet Place was done so well that it didn't bother, that the things that bothered me in Bird Box did not bother me in Quiet Place. I don't like, uh, okay, spoiler alert. If you have not seen Bird Box, Fast forward like 15, 10, 15 minutes because we're going to spoil shit. So it's been out on Netflix for enough time. Honestly, if you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. Fast forward, please. Um, Goodbye. (laughs) Okay. So everyone that's listening still has has seen Bird Box. Okay. Or just doesn't care. Or just doesn't give a shit. And we appreciate that. And yeah, mom, thank you. I I know you don't care. Um, (laughs) She she sometimes tells me, she's like, you do talk too much at the beginning. And I'm like, mom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, she uh, and she goes and you need to let that poor alex talk more i was oh, like mom i don't never. do that for anyone i'm sorry 
even people I love like Alex. Um, okay, two reasons why I didn't like it. I don't appreciate a scary monster movie where you don't even a little bit explain where the monsters came from or why they're there or what about them is. Thank you. You can't do My that. biggest issue with the movie. You can't 100%. have an invisible monster that does something that, honestly, I don't even fully understand what they do. And not explain yes. where they came from or if they're beatable or what the plan is. Like, what's the plan? Or why some long- people are immune to them. No, no one's immune. Or whatever. Some you people have did to- not kill themselves. Oh, oh, the oh you mean the, the, the crazy people? Like, yes. Went, yeah, so, exactly. So explain to me. Why were they immune? Why they, well, maybe they embraced it. So, like, whatever okay. it is, I think it's like, it, like, makes you see your worst fear or whatever. Or you, like, you look into some... I'm assuming you remember. Okay, did you see the horrible movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? Yes. So you remember when she like wanted all the information of the universe or whatever, and it downloaded into her brain, and she like literally couldn't handle it, and she died. Yes. That's how I imagine it's like showing you this like the worst thing, your biggest fear, and you most people just like it downloads and they can't handle it and they kill themselves. But I think some people that embrace the crazy and like embrace the fear and embrace whatever it is they see, they lose it. See, that's what I thought too, except for the woman that runs out. She's married to John Malkovich and she runs out of her home and says, hi, mom. When she sees the monster. Yeah, but she killed herself, though. Like, she was right. joining her mom. Ah, uh, okay. Like her, okay. I think her mom was in the car. Like, her, the monster took the image of her mom. Got it. I think, it, but, see, it. but see, here's the, I don't know, and I don't like that I don't know. If, I and the movie was, like, four hours long. If I'm going to watch a four-hour-long movie, you better explain every, you have so much time. Right. Explain see, that, every single thing to me. That was my biggest complaint with the movie. So I started watching it. Um, I was at my grandparents' house for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I went to bed, and I was I couldn't sleep. So I was like, okay, I'll try Bird Box. I'll end up falling asleep through it. Fine. No, I kept, I kept watching the whole thing because I was trying to wait for something to happen yeah. or some sort of explanation to mm-hmm. come. I was so disappointed that I got to the end of it, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No, that's 100%. what I just set up for. This is ridiculous. I felt like it was. A lot like the happening. It's exactly but, like the happening, but, but even, somehow more I didn't annoying. like that movie, and that I feel like this was even a less successful version of that movie. I will say it was well acted and well yes, shot. Absolutely, like I thought it was well done. You know what I mean? Like I thought the acting was good and it was well done. Yeah. Like in terms of like the actual, like sh- like the directing of it, I just right. feel like the actual meat of the story was confusing mm-hmm. and lacking and they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't connect me to the characters enough to where I didn't care. Like in a quiet place, I didn't really care that I didn't understand why the monsters were there, or what the plan was or what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then it left you on a cliffhanger. Um mm-hmm. spoiler alert if you haven't seen Quiet Place. Um but for this movie I was like, no, I'm not invested enough in these people to I care this much. Way. And 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 how dare they end like that? Like, thank you. Okay, so you find a blind colony. That actually makes sense to me because they don't have to worry about the the monster, right? They can't see it, so they can right. go wander around all they want and getting supplies. Like, I understand how that sustains itself, but question: We don't have a plan to eventually defeat the monsters, 
So we're all just right. going to, like, only blind people are going to live and people in blind colonies. And we're going to assume that they somehow can sustain themselves. Like, do they grow plants? Do, where's their water source? How are they getting electricity? What happens if there's a really bad winter and all those plants that are blocking that big thing with the where the sun doesn't shine? Like, what if they all die and they can see through the top ceiling that's just glass? And also, aren't they eventually going to overpopulate that place? I mean, you're telling me people aren't going to bone? No. Thank you. All of that. I mean... Especially... Okay, also another complaint that I had was then when the monster's whole (laughs) shtick seemed to be that they just kind of flew in and wanted you to see it, and then all of a sudden it started adding voices to it as well to taunt you. Well, because it's trying to get you to look at it, I think is what it is, because you have to look at it. I feel like they just didn't, they realized they didn't have a strong enough monster, and then they just started kind of like adding in things as it went. Well, because, yeah. Very weird to me. Well, because they're trying to think like, how can we show that these people have to look at it? Right. I just, I didn't love it. No, I, um, no. I also, I was reading that it was based upon a book, or, um, and in the end, the the people made themselves blind, as opposed yeah. to, like, it being a school for the blind. I 100% thought that was what was going to happen. And that was kind of horrifying to me, so I'm really glad that they didn't show that, but. Yeah, but at least that would make me understand how this is sustainable. Yeah, I guess. You, if you can see the monster, as long as the monster exists, you're in danger. Right. You're the telling one, me those one, crazy I mean, people don't know how to find the blind people? And that's what I'm saying. It just kind of goes back to why was the monster there to begin with? Like, what kind of right. apocalypse were we stumbling into? Right. And also, but my whole thing is like, and then, and then she gets there, she finds the gynecologist, which I'm like, what? What a weird character to bring right. back in at the end. Why? Right. And then we, they just, the birds fly away and everything's cool. We're not even a little bit going to try and explain what we're going to do right. here. What's going to happen. Reading, I read a lot of things about it after the fact, because mainly I just wanted to see if people were kind of like as annoyed or outraged as I was about having to sit through that movie without a real plot because it was so long (laughs) it was so long and then a lot of people were talking about how it's actually such a beautiful movie because the whole theme is like motherhood and how sandra bullock then you know she transformed herself into this like very guardian woman warrior to um save her kids dude their names were boy and girl Right. They say that once she actually gives them a name, that symbolizes the switch and how she stopped caring just for herself and started caring for the children. And that's why she they named them. They were five. Was, right. And she was embracing motherhood at five years at old. At five. Agreed. It's a real stretch for me. No. I love Sandra Bullock, so that pained me. Me too. Um, me too. And I almost, I, will say, I love almost everything she's ever been in. Like, I mean, I eat her shit up. And I thought she was yeah. great, but I thought the movie was just like, bleh. The crazy guy that they let into the house that ends up, like, betraying them all, he played um, Miami in Bohemian Rhapsody, and I loved him. Oh, I mean, I still need to see that movie. But oh he God, was so obvious. God, what? Yeah, oh, what yeah, yeah, world? Yeah. He was nuts. He was super nuts. And, like, jo- everyone's character was just a little too much. Like, the mm-hmm. Marine guy, Tom, he was, he was just, like, so pure and sweet and then the john malkovich's character was just such a total dick and then the, like you know what i mean it's just like they everyone was yeah. there was not a lot of roundness of the characters i didn't feel like to the point where i i cared about them i cared about tom i really liked tom and i was devastated but tom was the only he one was the only one that i liked him yeah i didn't even care and about then, the kids that much 
I agree. And why was Machine Gun Kelly in it? I mean, like, thank God he was because the memes from that were hilarious. Like, uh, one of them was like, if you saw the happening and thought, wait, why wasn't Machine Gun Kelly in it? Then you'll love Bird Box. I know. I just. And it's right. I don't understand. I don't. I truly. I don't, I don't get, it. get it. I don't get it. Me neither. But. I'm glad what? we're on the same page about that, though. Netflix did it. They suckered me in. I watched it. It was fine. And honestly, here's the way I'll, I explain it. It was I, I was on my I was on the edge of my seat. Like it was right. Kind of, I wouldn't say it was scary. I would say it was very. It was. It had a lot of thrills. It was very thrillery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It. I'm not mad that I watched it. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. Like if I had gone right. to a theater. And paid twelve fifty to sit for three hours, and I had to watch twenty minutes of previews and all this other bullshit. And then that was what happened. I'm furious. Agreed. Furious. Agreed. But it was fine. Now, um, are we excited for us, or are we excited for us? The new J- yeah. Jordan Peele movie. I am very excited about that. I already did. You see, there was a guy that wrote um, a comment to the trailer. With, like, all of these predictions and themes. And it was so beautiful and brilliant. And really? I, no, yeah, I it was insane. It. I'll try and find it and post it. But it was it was crazy. No, I'm super excited. But I was very underwhelmed by Bird Box. And so Chelsea and I watched it on New Year's Eve because we're old now. And when we were in New Orleans, I was basically just hung over for three days. Right, um, right. And so I was like, I can't do New Year's. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I'm I, dead. So Chelsea just came over and we watched. We were going to watch either Bird Box or the Black Mirror movie. That's like a choose your own adventure oh, game. Which yeah, seems yeah. awesome. And I was pissed because we only had time to watch one. And we freaking picked Bird Box. And I was like, oh, I should have picked the other one. I know. I feel you. I, uh, I haven't watched the Black Mirror one yet either. Let's watch it. And then we'll talk about it next time we record. Deal. Sounds great. Okay. Cool. Okay, who's first this week? Honestly, it's been four months since we did this, so I have no idea. Do you just want to? Do you want to go? Or do you, mine's really long. Yeah, can I go and get mine over? Yeah, I always get nervous. Yeah. No, I'm okay. sorry. Mine's like mine. I did a school essay report on mine for like 45 minutes, so I apologize in advance. Oh my god, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> okay, hold on. So <laughs> this week is not like the most exciting topic. I'll admit it. However, it's something that I am very excited about and something that I know a lot about. Uh, This week, I am talking to you about Penn Badgley, the actor. Uh, Well, we'll get there. He's an actor, musician, and an activist. Okay. He's fantastic. It's great. Dearest Penn is 32, born in Baltimore. You know, crabs. Yeah. Cool. Got it. Split his childhood between Virginia and Washington State, not D.C., and started acting and doing voiceover in Washington. Uh, voiceover work, excuse me. Then he moved to Hollywood at the age of 11. Hollywood! Acting. That, was, that was a big one for him. Did you know he recorded a pop single in 1998? <laughs> Why would I know that? Can you even imagine no, that? I what can't. that must have been like? Like a 13-year-old Penn Badgley Honestly, about I don't know what. Remind me who Penn Badgley is. We'll get there. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, his first credit for voiceover work was a Mario Golf 64 game. That was in 1999. Probably had it. Not gonna lie. Pretty awesome. (laughs) His first credited acting role was in an episode of Will and Grace. And I'll admit, I did not see it. And I don't know what character he played. 
I wonder who that was. Okay, go ahead. I'm definitely, I may or may not be looking at what that is. He was also in a series of movies like John Tucker Must Die. Oh, yep. Love John Tucker Must Die. The Stepfather. The okay. thriller where the stepfather tries to annihilate the whole family. Oh, I wanted to see that, actually. Yeah. Was it, was it meh? Oh, he was Scott Tucker, right? Just wait. And Easy A with Emma Yeah, Easy A. That's a good movie. Yeah, the movie was, it's based on the book. God, what is it? Where they all have to learn? The Scarlet Letter. Thank you. Yeah. However, you probably know Penn Badgley from his fantastic role as Dan Mother Effin' Humphrey from Gossip Girl. Oh the God. CW masterpiece that lasted way too many seasons that yeah. I was obsessed with. I cannot with you. I I can't even begin to tell you my level of obsession with Gossip Girl. Okay. My best friend Rachel, she was brunette. I had long blonde hair. Obviously, we were Blair and Serena. Obviously. And we pretty much told everyone that we were too in our little group of friends. It was great. We would... We would we went through like a dress up phase where we wanted to you know look I don't even know rich I guess please tell me you have um, proof of this oh a thousand percent and I will post it to the social handles at E for Effort Pod in case you didn't know and we wouldn't have told you in the beginning anyways so <laughs> at E for Effort Pod had to remember if we even said the name of the the podcast so. Great Doing start, it. guys. Doing it. Doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's Gossip Girl, you ask? What is Gossip Girl, I ask? Silly, 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 Kristen. You should know this. Uh, <laughs> Gossip Girl was basically a teen drama soap opera about rich kids on the Upper East Side of New York. Oh, my God. It uh, sounds so fascinating. Tell me more. It followed their lives through high school and kind of college, I guess. Mm-hmm. Some of them went on to study, I think, or at least attend college. It was great. Uh, Dan Humphrey was the lonely kid from Brooklyn on scholarship. So he was, you know, poor. Or at least not rich and beautiful and fabulous like the other So he's upper middle class, which is poor in New York. Right. He was, that's what I would have been. (laughs) Uh, He aspires to be a writer. And uh, in high school, he becomes wildly infatuated when he uh, with the blonde, beautiful bombshell goddess that is Blake Lively. I mean, and her character Serena Vanderwoodsen. Who could also just what's her name again? Serena Vanderwoodsen. The most insane name I've ever heard. If we oh, were having fabulous. a category for the most insane names, that would win. She and her friend used to go out on the show, um, and they would, like, be drinking buddies, and they would, because they, obviously, they underage drink because it was Gossip Girl. Because they're cool. Um, And they could get into, like, any bar, apparently. But they would call themselves Savannah and Svetlana, so then Rachel and I would do that in Iowa City in college as well. Anyways. Wow. Okay. He also ends up being the actual Gossip Girl. He is? Yeah, the one that writes the Gossip Girl blog and has all the dirt on everybody. Cool. Uh, Yeah, because no one cares about the poor kid, right? It's just like, whatever. He does it to impress Serena. He feels like it's the only way to, like, truly win her over. Oh, my God. 
Whatever. That show is a masterpiece. I don't even care. I mean... Anyways. Embarrassing uh, announcement alert. I definitely read the books. Oh, I hear they're actually really different. My friend read the books, too. And she started watching the show and she hated it because she read the books. I did not watch the show because I wasn't a supernatural in high school. I was not cool enough to like Gossip Girl. Um, But I did read the books, so I don't have that much self-respect. Yeah. um, My friend, she said that Vanessa especially, her character was the most different. Because in the book, she's like super punk rock. And in the TV show... She just looks like she maybe shops at Urban Outfitters. So not gonna lie, I do not remember a single plot point of the book. Like, yeah, I, I... Vanessa is um, Dan Humphrey's best friend, and she also lives in Brooklyn. She shops at thrift stores. So, oh my god, so cool! Naturally, she was an outcast. Of course, with the preppy high school kids. Anyways, in real life, Penn Badgley. Back to Penn. Good. He and Blake actually fall in love. Blake Lively, who plays Serena Vanderwoodson mm-hmm. and they date and they fall in love in the show and then they break up so Aww. that was always weird I'm sure for them when their characters had to like get back together on the show yeah. but she ended up with Ryan Reynolds so I'm sure she's fine yeah for real she's she's having a real hard time with it <laughs> so what has Penn Badgley been doing since Gossip Girl what has Penn Badgley been doing since Gossip Girl Alex well he's been doing the movies that we discussed earlier he also started a band He's in a band called Mother. They're like an indie band. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Mother, it's not spelled with an E, though. It's M-O-T-H-X-R. Okay. You know. No, I get got, it. Like, they got, like, sued for spelling it the right way or something. <laughs> I don't know. I re- all of By Jennifer Lawrence. Have, probably. All of my facts have come from Wikipedia and my own knowledge of uh, all things Gossip Girl. Got it. Love it. Anyways. Um, they're born, the band rather has supported a lot of actual bands, like real touring bands, um, which I thought was kind of cool, including the neighborhood who I revealed in an earlier podcast is a serious guilty pleasure of mine. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, also side note on the show Gossip Girl, he's a huge soccer fan and in real life he was petitioning with Brad Pitt to get the world cup to the United States. If Brad Pitt... Brad Pitt and Paige Badgley can't do it. It can't be done. Uh, well, they were trying to get it here in 2018 or 2022, and it's not coming until 2026. But listen. Solid. E for effort, guys. You did good. E for effort. <laughs> Anyways. Also, um, he dated Zoe Kravitz briefly. And by briefly, I mean, I think they dated for like two years. So that's actually not very brief at all. (laughs) In Hollywood, that's like a full, yeah, that's like a marriage and a divorce. Right. People get married to divorce in that time. He ended up getting married to Domino Kirk. And she is the sister to uh, my favorite girl's character, Jessa. Oh. Yeah, I can't pronounce her name. I think it's, mm, I don't, I don't want to even pronounce, I'm not, because I don't want to get it wrong. But yeah, random facts. The reason that I chose to talk about Penn Badgley is because he's also the star of my new favorite Netflix binge, You, Y-O-U. The show started Wait, wait, lifetime. that's how you spell you? Y-O-U? And that's been E for effort, guys. <laughs> bye. 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 I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Why? Tell me all about you. I'm Y-O-U. I'm so excited. So rude. Um, so... <laughs> 
you started as a lifetime show so i didn't watch it to be totally honest no, and that's not that's not why i didn't watch it i didn't watch it on lifetime because i don't have cable yeah so I and also like it. do you watch like well that's how you do watch lifetime on your free time right i watch project runway on lifetime i'll be honest yeah but that's mm, i don't know maybe that's it anyways i watch it via the app didn't even think about that when it came to you. I don't have cable. I didn't see it. I didn't see the commercials. I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm on Netflix and you pops up as the first thing that's suggested for me because Netflix knows me so well. Yep. And I Accurate. Like, that algorithm you know is working hard. I had three days off at the time and I was like, listen. Let's do Shadow it. Shadow and I need a good binge. There's the Shad Man. Episodes. It's healthy. This is great. Yeah. So, You is a psychological thriller that um, I already told you started on Lifetime. Season two is coming directly to Netflix, and I am very excited. Basically, the plot of You is if Dan Humphrey grew up, lost his mind, and started stalking a poor version of Serena Vanderwoodson. It is fantastic. It's a show I never knew I needed that I so needed and I'm so thankful that I have. And I'm so beyond excited that season two is coming. I'm going to have to watch it. Sounds good. Yeah. I just, I texted my best friend Rachel about it and I was like, Rach, it's like they continued Gossip Girl. (laughs) But it got real messed up. Honestly. And it was like, it got real dark. Um, Okay. So Penn plays Joe. He's the manager of a bookstore in New York City. And he becomes obsessed by one of the girls that comes to the store. Her name's Guinevere Beck, and she's an aspiring writer in a graduate writing program. Um, she's played by Elizabeth Lale, I think it is. And uh, she's she's also kind of like a Dan Humphrey-esque in that she is definitely like upper middle class. She's paying her way through college, can't really make it or make mm-hmm. ends meet. Um, and she's friends with all of these girls that are kind of Upper East Sider-esque. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they definitely would have been friends with Blair Waldorf and her best friend, Peach Salinger, played by Shane Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars, is essentially oh like God. Blair Waldorf. It's fantastic. Okay. John Stamos also stumbles <gasps> into the show. Oh my God, I love John Stamos. Uncle Jesse himself um, has a big role for the second half of the season. Really, it's great. He plays this kind of hippie... Um, ish therapist and it's it's fantastic i love uncle jesse so i love seeing him on my netflix whether fuller house or you um i don't think i'm giving too much away by saying pen badgley literally and digitally stalks back so it's it's pretty creepy and some of the scenes you're like wow wow dude went for it that's bold um the way he finds out a lot of information is uh just readily available so easily to him via a quick Google search. Don't love and that. And it's like, it's really personal information and really like, like he finds out where she lives instantly by pulling a photo into Google and seeing essentially where it is. It's um, he, he finds out where she goes to college. He finds out all of these things about her and you're like, wait. People can actually do that like a hundred percent. Well, that's exactly it. So it actually really scared me. <coughs> Excuse me. And it made me want to lock down, like, every social account I have and possibly change my name because it's crazy. It's really crazy the things that people can find out about you. The show is really dramatic. I realize that. And, you know, it's 
it is very Gossip Girl-esque, so it's silly and it's a little trashy and all that, but it's also, I mean, it's a really good Netflix binge. Um, I feel like it has really strong themes in it as well. I know that's the one thing that he was, like, posting about is, like, make sure you pay attention to the themes, which, like, okay, is a little bit of a stretch. But at the same time, for as creepy as Joe is, like, I knew exactly what he was doing and where he was and all the craziness and all the weirdness surrounding his character. Like, they don't mask that or sugarcoat it at all. Mm -hmm. And you still somehow end up rooting for him. We were like, wow, this man is literally stalking this girl. And you're still kind of like, but wait, why won't she pay attention to him? (laughs) And, like, she, I found, was very relatable as well. Like, she's not perfect by any means. And you get frustrated with her sometimes for, like, the way that she treats Joe, even though you know that Joe is, like, doing all these terrible things to, like, stalk her. So it's... Do you think it's It's just because he's hot? Do you think if he was, like, not hot, you would not be as sympathetic towards him as a character? I really don't. I think a lot of it is the way that he treats her. Like, he's, like, this really, like, within the relationship. Because a lot of times stalkers, like, kill them. Well, I mean. It's not, it's not, it's not good. Like, it's not a good, it's not healthy. No, it's not healthy at all. And that, I think, is kind of, like. One of, if there were themes in this, I think that is one of the themes is like, what is what is a healthy love look like and mm-hmm. what is an obsession? Right. And where does it cross over and what what's acceptable <laughs> really yeah. in dating and what isn't? Like at one point, um, they're flashing back to a past relationship he's in and he's going through the girl's phone and stuff like that. And it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I also feel like the heroes and the villains switch throughout the show a lot. I like that. Um, I think it's really cool. That's, I think, why I find myself rooting for Joe at some points, because he's really, I don't know, he's likable, and you yeah. feel bad for him, and he does do a lot of really great things in the show, and then in the next scene, he's, like, trying to murder someone, so you're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, there's good and bad. Almost. Everyone. You were close. Right. So, anyways... That is my quick little recap on the show, you. But I definitely, definitely okay. suggest you check it out. And I'll I have like to watch basically. It. I feel like I was hired by their PR team because at this point, I've told everyone I know about it, and um, <laughs> you should be getting a commission. Everyone that listens to us too. So they've got three new followers because what, of me. What? Mm-hmm. Shout out, Katie. So watch it on Netflix and enjoy Pen Badgley because he is he's committed in this role for sure. Okay. It's a lot. I'm in. I love it. Good job. I like, I I do know, (laughs) I do know who that is now that you, that you tell me what he's been in. I appreciate that. Yeah. I would not say he's a a widely known actor unless you watch Gossip Girl. Right. Otherwise you really wouldn't know him. Or like you'd probably recognize him, but you wouldn't know his name. Mm -hmm. That's true too. Okay. Are you ready to get super nerdy? I can't wait. Are you ready to take a trip to uh, middle school? Uh, yeah. Okay. Hit so me. I was reading a book um, over my little, I didn't really get a break, but I had a, two, a couple days off and mm-hmm. I read a book um, and it's called The Song of Achilles and it's by Madeline Miller. And oh. it's basically, she's like a history teacher who like kind of interpreted the Achilles Patroclus relationship and then like kind of wrote a book about it with the Trojan War woven in. It's 
amazing. It's it's like one of the best books I think I've ever read. It's so good. Wow. I, I cannot sing its praises enough. It's so good. Her writing amazing. style is serious. And I listened to it. I, so I now, so I listened to it. I got obsessed. I asked for the hard copy on for Christmas because I'm a book nerd. So I like to have like the book. Um, even yeah. if I've listened to it, cause I reread books over and over. So I, um, I listened to it and it's just like, it was beautiful. Like listening to it was, Aww. it was, it's written so masterfully and, uh, it's, it's so, so good. I cannot sing it highly enough, but awesome. listening to that book reminded me of how much, and I've already done Greek stuff before on this podcast, um, when I talked about the, uh, Pleiades. And so I, I really, I just really like Greek mythology, Roman, that whole thing. I'm just really nerdy about it. So sure. I was like, oh man, on the next podcast we record. Now remember, this is back in like November. I think I read it over Thanksgiving. I was like, the next podcast we record, like I should do the Trojan War. And then part of the reason why it took us three weeks to record was because I kept having to push it back because I wasn't done with my research because the <laughs> Trojan War is a monstrosity. It is so much. And it's really hard to tell just the story, like one story. Like it's really hard to identify, like, I'm just going to talk about the Trojan War because mm-hmm. so much of it comes from other themes that that ha- happen like way before time and all the characters are important to know and understand where they came so i'm going to give you the briefest probably most shittily done outline of the trojan war that i can it's going to be great my sources wait. for this are there is a podcast um i think that the bbc um maybe not the bbc but it's called trojan war the podcast Super Love simple. The BBC. Um, there is um, like a patrillion episodes. The guy is super thorough. He does like there. They range from like thirty to like forty-five minutes a, an episode. And he's clearly also a school teacher. And he kind of gives it to you like a lesson plan. And then at the end of the episode, he delves more into like the themes. So I was just listening to it for like the meat of the story. Um, so it's called Trojan War, the podcast, if you want more information um, from that side. And then, of course, our trusty Wikipedia and then the History Channel um, has some good information on the Trojan War. And then I used um, Ancient History Encyclopedia for a little bit, too. Awesome. Because this is, I mean, it's one, this is like a literary thing. I didn't want to get it wrong as much as I could. Um, and it's it's prevalent. The Trojan War is so prevalent in our media that we absorb. Um, there's a Netflix thing on, uh, that the BBC did, um, that's very, very good. Um, I think they get quite a bit wrong, but it's very good to, um, to watch. So the, one of the things that the guy on the podcast was explaining was that because the Trojan War is mainly featured through the Iliad, so that's where we get like the bulk of our Trojan War knowledge. Um, and because, but it's also like the Iliad actually starts during like it starts like in the trojan war like it doesn't start beforehand so all the previous all the stuff leading up to the trojan war is like picked up through word of mouth like through stories and this and art and bolt so it's kind of hard to know i think exactly the right story um but so i'm i'm giving you the story that the bbc podcast guy gives you um i actually don't know if he's with bbc i don't know where that came from the podcast gives you because i think in terms of my own knowledge and my own reading 
um, is probably the most like accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of the most corroborated with other things I've read. Awesome. So if you, it's all up to interpretation, especially because I don't speak Greek. You know, it's like all this, I don't, I've never read the original text. I don't a hundred percent know. Like some of this is like translation issues. Some of the, you know, it's just, it's really confusing. So this is my regurgitated brief (laughs) version of the Trojan War and it's going to be a lot. So bear with me. Um, So basically like any other good story, um, it all starts with an apple. Um, There was a big part, a wedding. Um, up on Mount Olympus, um, between a sea, the, a nymph and, um, a king, Achilles' dad. Um, I think I have his name written somewhere else, uh, but I honestly can't remember it off the top of my head and I don't want to look. So, um, they, they go up for this wedding and they don't invite the goddess of like doom or something, right? Or like the goddess of discord. That's who they don't invite. Um, cause it's called the apple of discord. So they don't invite the goddess of discord. And so of course she comes like in Sleeping Beauty, like, you're gonna not invite Maleficent, like, good joke, she's gonna find you, and she's gonna come, and she's gonna wreck shit. Um, So, of course, she finds them, and she presents them with the apple, and the apple says on it, like, for the most fair, or whatever. So, see all these themes, these literary themes that keep getting Mm -hmm. retreated. And so, it's destined for the fairest of them all. So, naturally, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite are all like, "Uh, that's me, I'll take my apple, please, thank you very much. And she gives it to... um, so she gives it to uh, the guy, the the Achilles' dad. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. And so he naturally is like, well, I, a mere mortal, cannot decide who's the fairest. Like, I'm just a stupid mortal. And they've all been eating and drinking and partying for, like, weeks because these parties are crazy long. So he gives it to Zeus. So obviously none of the other because well he doesn't give it to zeus but he's like i'm a mere mortal i can't do this and none of the other gods want anything to do with it because they're all smart and zeus is also tries to like take it but then um he's like no no no, i'm not i'm not gonna even know this because so athena is zeus's daughter some believe that athena was literally sprung from zeus's head and took his reason with him because zeus is almost always predicted as like just a dumb jock who sleeps (laughs) around and pisses Hera off really so some believe that like Athena because she's the goddess of wisdom so they believe that like she took Zeus's wisdom like right out of his head or whatever because she formed fully sprung formed out of Zeus's head and um Hera his wife so it's like you're gonna give it to your daughter you're gonna give it to your wife or Aphrodite literally the goddess of lust um and sexual feelings like come on who are we gonna give it to so Zeus is a total dick And he gives it to Hermes and he's like, how about you go ask this poor kid Paris who like is just minding his business. And he's like, go make him decide because I don't want to deal with the repercussions of this decision. And um, so the three goddesses, they all go down and they're like splendor or whatever. And they're missed because mere mortals can't actually look at goddesses or gods. They have to be like shrouded or transformed or whatever. So they go down to Paris and they're like, um... They're like, all right, who's the best? Paris, you mortal idiot. And Paris is like some teenage guy who's like obsessed. He sleeps around with all the women. Like he's like a total man, man whore. Like, you know, so they're like, okay. I picture him being like a Zac Efron. A hundred percent, but stupider than Zac Efron and sleeps with everyone. I mean, like he has like, well, and he's supposed to be like one of the most gorgeous men like of all time. So, uh, I mean, yeah. come on. What are you going to do? You're going to not sleep with Zac Efron? I mean, come on. Like, so, so, yeah. 
So he couldn't pick. Of course, he couldn't pick. So they start bribing him, right? So they're like, okay, you know, I oh, I can give you strength in battle. I can give you blah, blah, blah. I can give you this. And Aphrodite, reading the room, she saw what was the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And she offered him the love of the most beautiful woman in the world, which was Helen of Troy. Now, here's the ish. Uh, Helen was already married. So. Oops. Little tricky to just, like, I guess, what's funny is, like, gods and goddesses can, like, literally stop the air from moving, but they can't, like, divorce people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not a judge. I don't, I don't tell these people how to live their lives. But Helen was already married to King Menelaus of Sparta. That's why she was Helen of Sparta. So, Paris, so, there's, like, stories about how Paris became, Paris was, um, a, son of the Trojan royalty. And when uh, he was born, there was a prophecy saying that basically he would destroy the city of Troy. The city of Troy is like, they have walls that are like built by Poseidon himself. They're uninhabitable. Like they are the richest city. They are like undestroyable, right? It's like the Titanic. Like can't be sunk. Mm-hmm. So Paris's mom is like, no, please. Like the queen, she's like, please, no. And the dad's like, um, absolutely not. Like I'm not having this kid, this little crying thing destroy my city. So they, they like banish him to the woods or whatever. And some farmer finds him kind of like in the Hercules story. Mm-hmm. from Disney, not the real Hercules. The real Hercules story is super messed up. Did you know he killed his wife and children? What? Yeah, he, like, went crazy and killed his whole family. Cra- okay, anyway. Not what Disney told us. <laughs> I was very distraught when I found that out. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know, right? What a jerk. Um, but Royds will do that to you guys. Don't don't take them, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, he's, like, banished, living at... He has no idea he's a prince. Um, so then... Uh, Aphrodite's like, yeah, dude, first of all, bruh, you're a prince. Let's go get you back to Troy. Second of all, I'm going you the hottest girl to be your princess. It's going to be a jam. Paris is like, I'm in. So he goes back to, he goes back to Troy. Paris goes back to Troy and they, uh, Aphrodite like magics them all to remember that he's a prince. Um, and he recognized him or whatever. And so, um, Paris's first mission as a prince of Troy is to go and be uh, a diplomatic trip. So he's supposed to go to Sparta and listen to how great they are and the Spartan people. He Basically, Sparta wants to prove to Troy, the best city ever, that they're also awesome. And so they're going to go and impress everyone. And so Paris takes it upon himself to steal Helen in the middle of the night and bring her back to Troy. Now, here's the question. Um, if you believe, like, the story story, um, you know... Cupid shot her with the arrow and she fell in love with Paris or whatever, but it was really just lust and it eventually fades. And later on, Helen like literally starts hating herself for causing this war. It's very, her, her character is very tragic. I think she gets a lot of flack because she's seen as like this weak woman who started this whole war. But in, I mean, her defense, she, if you believe this interpretation, um, she literally had no chance, you know? Right. That was out of so, control. Naturally, Menelaus was pissed like super pissed because he invites this guy he wines and dines him he gives shows him a good time and the dude like steals his wife like what the hell so a little background on how Menelaus and Helen got married see this is why it's so long like that like you have to go into all this crap so when Helen was younger her father decided it was time for her to take a husband when she was like 12 and because she was like the most gorgeous woman like it, it was it was her mom was like one of the most gorgeous women like it was just kind of understood that like Helen's like super super hot mm-hmm. so um, 
it was time for her to take a husband, so suitors gathered literally from all over, like, the air, the Mediterranean, basically, to win her hand. Um, so here's the problem. Her father um, t- was king of Sparta and was like, uh-oh, now I have a bunch of hot-headed um, war- ancient Greek warriors um, who were all going to be personally offended if I don't pick them to take to get Helen. So I'm kind of screwed. So Odysseus, uh, who's, like, super, super smart, um, he devises a plan. He basically gets all the suitors to agree. Like, listen, we're going to level the playoff, like playing field, like blah, blah, blah. We all have to sign this agreement to defend Helen against whoever her future, whoever she picks. She didn't get to pick, but whoever she picks to be her husband. And we're all going to defend her because we're all men of our honor and our word or whatever. Um, and so her father chooses um, Menelaus to wed her. And so that's how... Um, that was kind of the plan to keep everyone else at bay so they don't all attack whenever they don't get Helen. So when Helen was taken by Paris, Menelaus and his brother Agamemnon basically called in their banners like Game of Thrones and was like, hey, remember that oath that you gave when Helen was 12 to protect her against anyone who would do this marriage harm? Well, uh, we're calling to collect that day is today and we're going to war with Troy, the most like strongest and most wealthy city ever. Like, let's go. Oh my gosh. Here are the Greek major players in this story. Menelaus, the spurned and jealous husband of Helen of Troy, the most beautiful woman ever. Agamemnon, the greedy king who kind of wanted Troy's riches. So there's like, like this kind of worked out for Agamemnon because he was itching to like go and take Troy. And Agamemnon just kind of like capitalized on this. Like, oh, he took, like, we're not going to settle for anything other than totally sacking the city and destroying it, taking all its riches. It's like, uh, bruh, you could just get Helen back. You know, you don't have to destroy everything they hold dear. But, so. Um, Odysseus is the cunning king of Ithaca, and he helped recruit, um, and was kind of like the brains of the operation. So he wasn't the best soldier or warrior, but he was kind of the brains, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so Achilles... Also, Achilles, obviously, he was fated to be the greatest warrior of his generation. There was a prophecy basically saying that um, he would either live he would either live a dull and boring life into his old age, or he would die young in a blaze of glory, like being the greatest warrior of all time. So, wow. guess which one he picked. Um, he was born from a goddess, a sea nymph, and the king of, uh, I, I, they say it so many times, um, but I honestly, it's spelled like Pythia, Pythia. Um, Pythia, Pythia? I don't know. Um, and it was, and so, um, yeah, so it was foretold that he would either live to be an old age, happy and chill, or he was going to die in a blaze of glory and war, and he clearly chose to go to the war, I mean, hoping to win his fame and glory. different things. Well, okay, so the podcast that I was listening to, um, does a really good job of explaining why, like, glory and honor mean something because these people fully believed that they were going to an afterlife and in that afterlife they would be rewarded for the honor and glory like they would live on you know you wanted to be put up in the stars right like you wanted to be this famous warrior like honor was really important to them and honor was about how much stuff you had and what you had earned through war and spoils you know it was what you could basically your honor was contingent on taking someone else's honor right so it's like I have to be better than you by taking your things and your city and your gold and your this, you know. So it was very important um, to have, like, honor and glory that you took by, you know, warring. Okay. Other notable Greeks... By warring. Other notable Greek warriors were Ajax, Diomedes, and Patroclus, who I love. We'll get there later. Okay. 
Um, now, in this war, the gods definitely took sides. So the gods on the Greek sides were Athena, um, Poseidon, Hera. So Athena and Hera, because they're pissed at Hera because he didn't pick it. Paris because he didn't pick them. Like, it's pretty obvious. Well, Poseidon. Yeah. Poseidon was on the Greek side. So back in the ancient like, times. Oh, so you think she's really pretty, huh? Oh, so you agree. You think she's really pretty. Okay. Good to know. Um, so Poseidon had been um, spurned by Troy like many, many eons ago, whatever. He's still pissed about it. Um, Hephaestus and Hermes. Um, and Thetis. So Thetis was Achilles' mom. So obviously she's going to be on his side. Um, now for the Trojan army. They were led by the king of Troy, Priam. Um, and he was actually uh, he was actually a pretty good king. He was, was kind of older, so he didn't actually like really fight because he, he's old. He had like 50 children. Because in Troy, they were very like... The amount of wives you have, like he had, he had like a hundred wives, something crazy like that. Not a hundred, but he had a buttload of wives. Um, he had his main wife, um, and then he had like you know all his like little other wives, and then he had his harem. You know what I mean? So it's like they he had right. like a bazillion kids. Um, and they didn't, but they didn't birth control. That's cool. Or even know what it was. <laughs> like let's be <laughs> Um. So he had actually a pretty good list of uh, allies to assist him. So he had Hector. That's his oldest son and basically the best warrior of Troy, like the shining the shining star of Troy and the guy to beat. Um, Arias? I can't say these names. This is going to be rough, guys. These are some ancient Greek or Trojan names. Like, it's rough. No I'm sorry. one could expect you to learn Greek. <laughs> it's all Greek to me. So, um, okay, so he was the son of a prince and the first cousin... He was the son of a prince who was the first cousin of Priam. So he's related to the royal family, but not, like, in it, if that makes sense. Right. Um, the goddess Aphrodite, obviously. Um, Serapidon. 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 Um, basically, he was the leader of the Lycians and was supposedly a son of Zeus. So he was, um, like, the, the Trojan version of Achilles. Um, okay. And so the gods on the Trojan side were Apollo, um, Aphrodite, Ares, and uh, Leto. So those are the gods on the Trojan side. So over the span of years, uh, there were like a lot of battles there and they were basically like evenly matched. So what they used to do was they would sit like in the ancient times, it'd be like, okay, Alex's army and my army would meet on a field and we would just fight until more people were dead on your side than my side or, you know, who we ran out of people. Um, but the problem was, uh, Troy had walls that were impenetrable. You couldn't go. They were so far into the ground, you couldn't tunnel down around them. Like, it was impossible to get into Troy. So Jeez. Troy's plan was, we're just going to, it's siege. It's a siege. We're just going to sit and wait go it to out. Troy. That sounds awesome. Well, you can't anymore. <laughs> well, you could. <laughs> it just doesn't look the same. Um, so they had a lot of, like, little skirmishes, but they were very evenly matched, right? It was very, like, neck and neck. Um... So because it was a long siege and Troy had a really good uh, fortification um, and this wall that was supposedly built by Poseidon and Apollo. Um, so they basically were just like, okay, bye. We'll sit here. We've got, we've got, because, okay, what they used to do um, was there used to be like a citadel, like in the middle and then mm-hmm. like a little, and that was like, that was protected. That was where like the royal family lived and stuff. And then there was like little communities, like all around the citadel that like you got your corn from and you got your this from and that. And like there were, here was your welder or whatever. But in Troy, everything was within these walls. So the other battle strategy would be 
if you're attacking a city with really good walls, you just kill all their production line outside the city. Mm. You sack mm-hmm. all these little cities and then you starve them out or you whatever, wait them out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Troy had everything inside the walls. So they're really, there was like little towns that they did sack and destroy. Um, and like they would, you know, like the outskirts and a lot of their allies um, so like other cities that could maybe come to aid them that they couldn't that they couldn't because they were sacked. But for sure. the most part, I mean, um, I, you know, they were just like, well, we can sit here forever and wait. Um, and so basically, they got sick of fighting and waiting and doing battle siege, and they were like, all right, let's do this one on one. Let's bring your best fighter out, our best fighter, and let's have them battle, and then whoever wins gets Helen. Like one's in for all. Let's end this. So of course. Menelaus is like, I'll fight. It's my wife. Like, I want her back. I'll fight. And Paris is like, I'll fight. Paris. <laughs> and um, like, he thought he could beat Menelaus. Like, Paris had never. He was a sh- he was a shepherd. You know what I mean? He's a shepherd, and then he became a prince. Like, no, no, no. no. sorry, no. Menelaus is a is like a warrior. Okay, so they fought. Paris drew the lot to attack first. Threw his spear into Menelaus's shield. Okay, so like swing and a miss. Uh, and then Menelaus went like ham. Okay, he was beating the shit out of Paris. Paris was totally gonna lose, and um, he was saved by Aphrodite. She like pulled him by his like heel or some shit, and transported him back into the palace. And um, wow, everyone was she like, really wah, has a crush wah. on Paris. Okay, well he, well she has got to protect him. It's it's her fault that right. this is all happening. Don't so Aphrodite. Right? I mean, so basically, it was fated that as long as Achilles fought with the Greeks, they were going to win. So the Greeks were like, we just got to wait this out. We got to not piss off Achilles, who was kind of a little prick, and we got to wait it out until they eventually... So Troy starts getting really sick. Like, they start getting disease. I mean, that happens eventually in siege warfare. Um, so like, we just got to wait him out, you know? As long as we don't piss off Achilles, wait it out, we'll be fine. So the major turning point in the war happens. When Agamemnon basically took one of Achilles' war prizes, a woman named Briseis, and Achilles uh, felt slighted. So basically, like, that honor we were talking about was taken away from him. So he had been dishonored, and he was like, I'm going to sit here on the beach, and you can all die because you hurt my feelings and took my slave girl, who if you believe that I'm gay, like some scholars believe, I don't even care about. I just want to have her like she's just my she's my slave she's my she's my property and you took okay so wow basically without achilles the trojans were like oh they lost achilles let's go we're you know we're gonna we're gonna totally take this and and so achilles basically was so pissed he had his mom ask zeus to curse the greeks to like never win a battle without him there my gosh um so the trojans started winning it became very apparent um, the Greeks, if they wanted to win, they needed Achilles. Achilles refused to come back until he was issued, like, a full apology. Like, I'm talking, like, he wants it signed, sealed, delivered. He wants it all. He wants nothing less than Menelaus being on his hands and knees saying, I'm a piece of shit. I'm so sorry to Perseus. <laughs> here she is. And here's 10,000 more, blah, blah, blah. I never touched her. Like, blah. so, okay. So, um, Achilles' bestie, potential lover... Sweet Patroclus. Literally, that's what he's called, Sweet Patroclus. I love that. Um, He basically begged him, like, on his hands and knees, he begged him to fight. Because Patroclus was kind of like the little, the town medic. 
So he got to know, like, a lot of the soldiers. Like, Achilles was, like, the big star, the big showman. Like, he was killing everyone. He was getting all his honor. I and Ach- And Patroclus was, like, meeting these people. And he knew their names. And he was seeing them die in troves because Achilles was throwing a tantrum. So Ach- Achilles was like, sorry, no. Like, and Patroclus was like, you know, please, please. And Achilles was like, no, not doing it. Sorry. He has to apologize. He, know- he knows what he did. He knows what he did. He can come to my face and say he's sorry. <laughs> um, so... Basically, eventually Patroclus got him to agree, like their compromise was Patroclus getting him to agree to let him wear Achilles' armor and lead lead the men in his stead so they had like a chance of victory. So basically he was like, no one can even tell it's you. Let me do it. Because, Because Achilles now was like, I know I'm being a dick, but if I go back on what I said, I look weak. And I can't, you know, I, how am I going to lead people if I look weak? And Achilles and Patroclus, right. But Patroclus's part was, well, you're good. People are going to hate you. You're going to be remembered in the history books as the one who lost the war for us. You know? So Patroclus was like, I don't want you to, you basically Achilles is sacrificing his life for this war because we all know he's going to die in it because that's what the prophecy said. So he's like, do you want your glory to be tainted because you wouldn't fight? So. Basically, he he let Patroclus go in his armor and lead him in his stead. And um, Achilles' thing was, okay, you can't do that. It's dangerous until they start burning our ships. Because without the ships, they were totally screwed. How were they going to get home? You know, they, they, tro- they, had to, they had to sail to Troy. So if they don't have the ships to sail back to Greece, then they are going to be stuck in Troy forever. And then they're just, they're screwed. So... Patroclus drove the Trojans all the way back to the wall. So it worked, right? So Patroclus is like driving on his little chariot and he's like war sounding and he's throwing <laughs> spears and he's like, I am invincible. And he's gifted Aristeus, I think is what it's called, which is basically like the gods are like, you got this. You are untouchable. You are going to just wreck it up. So he is feeling good. He's like all, beating them all back to the wall. Um, and he starts to like, and in his mind, he's like, oh, we can end this. I got this. We're so close. And he gets a little too big for his britches. And he forgets, I guess, that he's not actually Achilles. Oh, no. And Hector kills him. Oh, he's no. killed by Hector. Well, because Hector thinks he's Achilles. Hector's right. like, oh, my God, I can kill Achilles right now. This is over. So Hector kills him. And um, Achilles, when he finds out that his beloved Patroclus, sweet Patroclus, was dead, to say that he lost his shit would be an understatement. <laughs> he he was like, they say that he like grieved to the degree, like a widow. Like he was pull. I mean, he was pulling his hair. He was in so much grief. There's like so much art. It's beautiful of like the Achilles grieving over Patroclus's dead body. And he was completely destroyed. I mean, Patroclus and, and um, Achilles had been brothers in arms when they were kids. Um, they were really close. I mean, whether or not you believe that they were lovers or best friends or soulmate, whatever he, they, Achilles said, you know, he, that was his soulmate, right, whether you believe right, it was right. romantic or best friend, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's about the feeling that you have for this person. So Achilles was devastated. Um, and he swore to kill Hector, like poor Hector. He was done. That was it for Hector. Like, he, he had pissed off the wrong Greek. Oh, um, Hector. so he suits up. And goes to the battlefield demanding to divide Hector. Like, just, you know, like, banging on his chest. Like, demanding for to kill Hector. Um, 
And he kills, like, 300 Trojans in the meantime. Like, he just goes on a killing spree. He just destroys Shoot. everyone. Because, so his mother had dipped him in the River Styx. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. That, that is real. So she dipped him in the River Styx to protect him. And so, like, arrows would, like, bounce out. I mean, he was, he was invincible. He couldn't be defeated. So, now the gods start to intervene. Uh... Because the Trojan gods were trying to help Hector, Greek gods were trying to help Achilles, it was just kind of a mess. Um, eventually, Athena trick, he- tricked Hector and got him locked out of the city, uh-huh. and um, Achilles destroyed him. Like Achilles killed him. Like bam, done. Sorry, and Achilles Hector, was Achilles was so pissed again because Achilles Patroclus was so dear to him that he refused to let the Trojans. So he took Hector's body and dragged it behind his chariot all night, like around the Trojan walls, like dragged this body just to taunt them. Because back then they believed that that was how you got, you had to burn the body in order to go to the afterlife. Right. So you had to have a funeral and a pyre and everything. And like, so to tear, to keep a body from your family to bury is a huge, like middle finger. Yeah. And but Achilles is so pissed, he doesn't even care. So eventually Priam himself, like the king, goes to Achilles' camp, like the enemy camp. They could have ended the whole war by literally slitting his throat right there and begs for his son bo- son's body. And Achilles relents and agrees and they take a truce to allow for the, a funeral for their dead. So Achilles huh. still hadn't burned um, ha- Patroclus' body. Mm. So it's like he, because he couldn't let him go. Like he, mm-hmm. he had it in his tent. For, like, days. I know. Bless his heart. That's a lot. Super sad. Mm -hmm. So after the death of Hector, the Iliad ends. Um, There are several other battles in the war. um, So that's where we know, like, less. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually, Apollo... So eventually, Apollo guides Paris um, to strike Achilles in the one spot he is vulnerable. uh, His ankle, where his mother dipped him in the river Styx, but didn't, I guess, get her hand wet. I don't understand, but whatever. Um... So Achilles dies. So that's, so Achilles is dead. And he asked that his ashes be combined with Patroclus's that they could find each other in the afterlife. Oh my gosh. Um, So now comes the infamous Trojan horse story, right? I know you're thinking, Kristen, the Trojan War, where's the damn horse? Well, here it is. So um, (laughs) Odysseus was inspired by Athena and thought up this plan to get soldiers into the walls of Troy. Because that was the problem, right? They had to get, they had to breach these walls. They were unbreachable. No one could get in. They had to get, breach the walls somehow. So they come up with this genius plan um, to get into the gates of Troy um, by basically, they built this huge wooden horse and left it in front of the gates um, after all the Greek ships had sailed away. So they left it there and they were like okay we're sorry bye and they like sailed their ships hid their ships or whatever and the trojans were like we did it awesome big victory we nailed it thanks for the horse i don't know what they were gonna do with the horse but it was there so in order to celebrate their victory they have this like huge bender party right this like insane party and little do they know that the horse is absolutely full to the brim um with greek soldiers so while the Trojans were getting basically shit-faced, the Greeks snuck out of the horse, opened the gates for the waiting Greek army, and sacked the city. But, you know, these stories, if you ever listen to Greek or, you know, mythology at all, um, they never have happy endings. And because the Greeks hit it... So basically, the Greeks were really, really, really sore winners. 
And because of the atrocities and the horrible acts they committed while they were sacking the city, the gods punished them by destroying their ships um, and bringing them misfortune when they arrived home or taking them forever to get home. Like Odysseus, he has the Odyssey, right? So that's where the Odyssey comes from. Right, um, Which right. is actually what uh, the second book, uh, Madeline Miller's second book is, is called Circe, which I'm going to read. I'm so excited. I've got Ooh. that for Christmas too. And it's about Odysseus and Circe and how he gets home. So basically... That is a very brief and badly done history of the Trojan War. I loved it. It was very interesting. Thank you. If you were interested in any more of it, um, I highly recommend you listening. And you want to and you want to listen to twenty five hour long episodes. Um, I would recommend the the podcast, the Trojan War, the podcast. It was very very good. Yeah, um, I'm gonna check that out. Or read the the Odyssey. I mean, I read the Odyssey in like high school. I think I read it again in yeah. college just for fun. But I honestly, I don't. You know, it was it was a lot. Yeah, so, we read it in high school too. It's it's tough. It's a tough read. I mean, it's yeah, that one very was, wordy, that was rough. So let let someone who's already read it and digested it and spent thousands and thousands of hours on it tell you about it. That's what I did. Yes, wonderful. I loved so, it. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you for enlightening my evening. I love. You're that. welcome. I just, you know, I, I like to educate. I like to keep you a, a learned woman. You know what? I will keep inundating you with trashy television. You hit me with those facts. I love it. I mean, honestly, I don't understand how we go up with these topics. Like, they make no sense. Not at but all. I but them. I like it. So what are you obsessed with this week? Tell me everything. Oh, well, this week I was uh, getting home from work and... Um, I leave the TV on for Shadow every day when I go because mm-hmm. I just, you know, want him to know. Um, it's mainly for comfort. Anyways, so, uh, the, I don't know which one it is, the world news, I guess, whatever's on ABC. Mm-hmm. And they were ending their show with this really cute little story about this boy. His name's Roman McCann, and he's called, like, the dog whisperer. Aww. But ever since he was four years old... He's been helping rescue dogs to find a home. He thinks he doesn't think that dogs should have to live their lives in cages in animal shelters. So Aww. it's become a real passion project for him to help people find homes or help dogs find homes. So That's he really and, sweet. Yeah, he and his mom started an organization called Project Freedom Ride. And mm-hmm. um, now he's seven and he makes these little videos and it introduces the dogs and talks about like what they're like and why they should get a home and all of that. And uh, they have saved over 1400 dogs and gotten them placed in homes in the last two years. And That's honestly, so I just like picked Shadow up and held him in my lap so tightly and I just cried watching the show because I thought it was so sweet. And yeah, so that's what I'm obsessed with this week. I love that's it. That's really sweet. I thought it was beyond adorable. This little kid is is really just something else. It was adorable. That's what about precious. you? So I'm obsessed with this Instagram account I found. And I honestly don't even ask me. I think it's because it. I follow a lot of drag race stuff. Uh, um, and yeah. so um, this just like came up on something. Okay. Like I was like searching through stuff and it just came up. And I was watching a video... It's called um, Corsetry Romance. Yeah. Um, so it's she's a seamstress. And yeah. so she makes, like, personal, like, clothing, corsets, dresses. But they're all, like, old-fashioned. Like, like some of them are from, like, 1800s. Like, some of them are from, like, early, like, the early 20th century. Whatever. Cool. Um, and 
I just, I, she does actual videos of herself, like cutting the fabric and wow. sewing it and putting it like, so you see the whole process. Cool. And I just watched a video and she does like hair and makeup tutorials and stuff. Hmm. And I just watched a video of her doing this, like, I don't know, 1800s like coat. And I was just like wow. mesmerized. It was so cool. So her handle, if you want to follow her is, um, core, core, corsetry. So it's like C O R S. E-T-R-Y underscore romance. Um, mm. And she does vintage coats, corsets, dresses, and she, she sews them all herself. Um, I think you can buy stuff from her, like, if you want her to make you something, like, if you're a costume person. Sure. Um, but it's just, honestly, I you know, I, I did, I took costume in college. Um, so I just, I know how to sew, and I know how hard a lot of the stuff she's mm-hmm. doing is, and it's very interesting to watch. And she does, like, whole, like, I don't know, I'm going to show Alex something, like, you see that? Isn't that cool? Oh, wow. Like, that's her. Like, she did that. That's beautiful. I know. And she does, like, tutorials on, like, how to do the hair. Like, old-timey oh hair. I know. It's just, it's really cool. Like, I like watching her videos. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know how Georgia talks about just, like, watching stuff, like, mindlessly? Like, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. soothing for me to watch it. So yeah. I like I like to watch it, like, before bed. Awesome. So that's what I'm obsessed with. I love it. That's really cool. is great. (laughs) I love it. Well, great, guys. Um, Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Follow us Congrats if you made it all the way to the end. Yeah. Actually, you deserve an award, so go treat yourself (laughs) with something. Whatever it is you like, that's healthy. Or Or not. not Whatever. Live your life. Not not illegal. There we go. That's the key. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Follow us on social, at EffortPod on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us if you'd like at eforeffortpodcast at gmail.com. And we're No gonna... one does yet, so we can interact with you, you know? Like, you <laughs> right. can talk to us. Actually, right. Ivy does. Bless you, Ivy. Good girl. Bless Nailing you, it. Ivy. Yes. Um, and, yeah. Uh, we'll try and be more regular. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to be like our bowel movements and keep it regular. Or a regular IBS appreciation. <laughs> sorry. sorry we're, we are. We're, no, it's 2019. We're not sorry. You're welcome. Amen. We're not going to be sorry this year. We're just going to be. I love it. Just exist. Well, happy new year. Thanks happy for listening. New year. Thank you for sticking with us. If you didn't, if you're new, welcome. We hope you didn't hate it too much. Yeah, and if you did, just don't listen anymore. That's it's easy, you know? That's cool. Ball's in your court, kid. Skate better. Skate better. And I think are are we trending yet? Definitely not. Solid no. Okay, bye. bye.